Bubblies, and welcome to My Streaming Bubble. It's the podcast where I talk about the shows that I love with the people I tolerate. I'm your host, Jen, and golly gee, boy, oh boy, am I excited to welcome back my lovely, wonderful, and downright amazing podcast brain twin, Erin, from It's a Fandom Thing Podcast. And today, we're going to hang 10 with Chicklet, the great Kanaka, and the goddess Anne Bowman as we ride the wild waves of Psycho Beach Party. Welcome back, Erin, and happy podcast crossover day. Thank you so much. And I was trying so hard not to laugh while you were doing that. That was pretty amazing. So thank you for having me on and for making it so that I would actually finally watch this movie, which is a shocker that I've never watched this movie. But so thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad that. um, Yeah, I'm actually kind of glad you hadn't watched this one because then it gave us an excuse to watch it and for me to rewatch it. And then I did buy it on digital, so I can rewatch it whenever I want because this movie cracks me up. So we're talking about uh, 2000's Psycho Beach Party, a fun, hilarious little parody of 50s psychodramas, 60s beach party movies, and 80s slasher flicks. The movie is based on the play of the same name written and created by Charles Bush, who in the stage performance played Chicklet, but in the movie plays Captain Monica Stark because when this finally was adapted to a movie... He was a little old to be playing a 16-year-old. So (laughs) Uh, the movie stars Lauren Ambrose, Nicholas Brendan, Thomas Gibson, Amy Adams, Beth Broderick, and many more. A young girl, Chicklet, wants to roll with the cool surfer kids and starts learning how to surf with the help of the Dharma and Greg's Greg and the other surfer dudes of 1962 Malibu. But we quickly find out that young Chicklet's, quote, personality is split into more slices than a pepperoni pizza and that's that line is from imdb and that just cracked me up (laughs) and meanwhile there is a serial killer on the loose so since this was your first watch what did you think well i i really really liked it i love uh b movies i have a real soft spot for b movies and b horror movies and i think this is a play on that too and for movies that are really campy and ridiculous like this. I mean, like you would not have movies like this without John Waters, without Ed Wood, without people that kind of were at the forefront of making those. I mean, it doesn't push the envelope as much as John Waters, of course, but you wouldn't have this without that. So I I enjoyed it a lot. I love the credits. I love the opening credits Mm -hmm. a lot and the music. And I kept thinking, Man, there's a band called The Cramps, which I don't know if any of your listeners or if you have ever heard of The Cramps. I love The Cramps. Yeah, I've heard of them. I don't know that I'm familiar much with their uh, discography. They're very much, they're called Psychobilly. So it's a name that they use. So it's like Rockabilly, but kind of like weird like this movie. And the music that was playing in here, I went and looked because I was like, I don't recognize the voice. Doesn't sound like Lux Interior was the lead singer of The Cramps. He sadly passed away. But it sounded so much like that kind of music too, that I really wish they would have been able to use some cramp songs, but so it kind of fit into that. Like the cramps would play these concerts that I'm so lucky I got to see them in concert and they would have openers that they had an opening band that would do a puppet show. And so it's that kind of weird world where it's like, we're just doing kind of, you know, we're kind of playing up on that um, surfer life, being a surfer, being a beach bum, um, not really hippies, but more like almost like, um, 
what is the word beatnik in a way. So playing up on that. And so that's another reason I loved it. And that's why I love the cramps because that's kind of in that kind of realm. Mm -hmm. So it reminded me of that made me want to listen to to their music a lot. And yeah, I just, I enjoyed it. So, and I liked the performances overall too. Yeah. Yeah. I liked, I like, I like Dick Dale and oh what's the band like the surf tones or something i can't remember but i i went through a period where i listened to a bunch of dick dale and dick you know that kind of surfer beach style music it's just kind of fun uh, when i had an office job because there weren't a lot of lyrics it was just kind of something nice to be able to listen to and not feel like i had to pay attention <laughs> or nothing that was like too distracting because i maybe would yeah. be singing along or something so i yeah i get what you're saying and then i forgot that the band uh Los Straight Jackets shows up in this movie and I kind of remember them from around that time period being kind of big and everything so when we kind of get to that luau scene and they're there playing and then there's that tiny dance off which just made me just it's so precious it makes me chuckle uh I was like oh yeah <laughs> I was like I like them I forgot I liked them <laughs> like the band <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, this is, I, I I used to watch, when I worked at a video store, I used to watch this movie like all the time and would rent it all the time. There's a small chance that I owned it on VHS. Um, we got rid of all our VHS a long time ago, even the ones that we were planning on replacing. Um, so I have no idea <laughs> if it's still around anywhere. And if it is, it's in some box covered in basement dust. But I... I love this movie. I love the the satire of it. Some of the writing's really funny. Um, and the timing of the writing, like in the beginning, there's something about like, you know, boys only think about one thing. And then the one girl's like, oh, you want a wiener? <laughs> so just kind of yeah. little, little things like that. So um, we'll go ahead and start with the main. I only had two characters written down, but I figure we'll squeeze in any other characters that we may wanna, might want to talk about. So I'm like, well, I can't just put down everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll start with Chicklet, um, played by Lauren Ambrose. So she's like the little 16-year-old that she's um, kind of like, I guess, a tomboy. She's not all boy crazy yet, like some of her other friends and, I guess, schoolmates, because they're all in high school. But it's the summertime. So she's, but she wants to learn how to surf. But at the same time, there's something kind of going on with her. And we find out, not too far into it, that she has dissociative identity disorder. And as I said on our on your Ratchet episode, I'm a sucker for characters with DID. <laughs> I don't know why, for good or bad, I love them. This one is nowhere close to what I assume an accurate portrayal of DID is. I'm nowhere close. No. <laughs> but I think that... Um, I think Lauren Ambrose did a really great job kind of with the two different personalities that we see. There's uh, Ann Bowman and then another one where I'm, <laughs> she's, she uses kind of like a black scent. And yeah, that was a little bit uh, a little cringy. And I was like, Oh, I kind of forgot about that one, but she doesn't pop up too often. Ann Bowman is kind of the main personality that we spend more time with. Um, but it's like, something like Charlene Carmichael Carmel and she works down at the Safeway is <laughs> what she told the great Kanaka. Yeah. But I did like the one part where she's like where uh, 
the Charlene or whomever personality comes out when Lars, spoilers, yeah, uh, is attacking Chicklet. And she's like, you're a nut. Give me that knife. Just unafraid, stands up to him. I do think that part is pretty funny, but yeah, I forgot about the blacks. Yeah, that was, that was oh. cringy. But was really I, it was bad. But <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, when you're talking about like parodies and satire, and yes, this is early 2000s, and not trying to excuse it, it's kind of like, was it intentional? You know, did they purposely create? what we assume is a, a black personality and have a white actress. You know what I mean? Is it just mm-hmm. part of this campy package? So don't know, but it's, it's there. Yes. <laughs> but then we have Ann Bowman, kind of the main uh, dominatrix personality type. And she's, a hoot. She cracks me up. I kind of love Ann Bowman. What are your thoughts on Chicklet's personality, Ann Bowman? I I, I love her too. Um, <laughs> I love how I, I'm really glad since I know we're kind of, we're spoiling. I mean, there is the twists at the end, but I do love that she is not the, that she's actually not the serial killer though. I want to say, mm-hmm. I so appreciated that. But I love her because you're watching the main character who she really, Chicklet, is so insecure because all of the girls around her are like, you know, except for her best friend are like blossoming into womanhood and all the men want her and want them, but nobody wants her. And then she, when she becomes this personality, she's like, so take charge and so gung ho and so like, I command you in, you know, I am going to control you as a man. Um, and with all men, she's like that. Like when they're doing the sacrificing the virgin thing or whatever they're doing. <laughs> I'm like, oh yes, the typical game we all play. Yeah. <laughs> and when she becomes the Anne character and she's just like, put me down. <laughs> just like instantly. No question. I loved that because she didn't have to do anything. You never once really saw her become violent. Really? I mean, except for when she's fending off a killer, but you never see her become this violent person, but she has such power and control that people just instantly do what they want to do, you know, do what they want to do for her or do what she wants to do for her, (laughs) Uh, which I loved that. Um, and I liked that. It was like, I don't know why I like this, but that circles were the thing that really, Mm -hmm. I don't know, made her become that. And when, um, when Taka, it's talking Matt Nita Nada, is that his name? I say, is that the, oh, the, guy, uh, the big Kanaka? Big Kanaka. I don't know where I'm getting that. From. Sorry. <laughs> um, but when the, but when the great Kanaka, he's like madly obsessed with her and loves the whole dominatrix thing. And when she goes there and he's decorated because he figures out it's circles and he's decorated everything with circles. <laughs> he's just like, please, please come out and please come out and play. And then when he finally realizes, what in the heck have I gotten myself into here? But he still loves it. Mm-hmm. He still is just totally turned on by it. And personally, I just, I just thought that was really cute and funny and how he kept trying to throw hints at her throughout the whole movie like yeah I do and the whole the scene where he's like bending over and yep. he's, 
his butt sticking out and she's not her and she's she's her chiclet and she's like what are you are you okay what are you doing so funny so I liked her a lot and I thought it was an interesting play I think the whole thing is an interesting play on puberty in a way and becoming a woman and changing and becoming an adult and sexuality and finding your way because when it first started I honestly thought they were going to make her a lesbian because of the fact that she was like oh the thought of kissing boys so I thought they were going to do a play on that so I was really kind of surprised when it didn't go that way. I was like, oh, this is interesting. So it's more she just doesn't understand sex yet, or she's not comfortable yet with her sexuality. So then she has this other personality that is, which you find out was really created from her mom, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was really twisted, but <laughs> I just a lot love- of respect. I love that. Yeah. The flashback scene is super weird, but there's just something about that point where the mom paid by played by Beth Broderick and she takes the, the, the seaman's hand, the soldier's hand and like puts her, puts his hand on her boob. And she's like, call me Ann Bowman. <laughs> I know. So I know. Yeah. It's silly. And it's, but it's so, Awesome because a lot of those movies and a lot of in that time period, women pretty much did whatever they wanted to for men. And it was all about a man and the male gaze and all that stuff. And I mean, you've got a character in here that does play like, a, you know, in B movies, the actress who plays in B movies. And she's also, I think, a play on Marilyn Monroe in some respects. Um, yeah, I could see that. You know, but you, so you've got all these, and I know we're going to talk about that sexuality thing, but. So you've got this really interesting thing of women trying to harness the control of their sexuality. And the only way Chicklet feels comfortable doing that is by taking on this other personality. And granted, it is also tied into a very traumatic experience where she killed her brother by swinging him too high. That was so so funny. I like how you start in a traumatic experience and then instantly I know. start giggling. Normally we don't do that, but it's this no. is psycho beach party also. It's yeah, fine. It's, not, <laughs> it's supposed it's, to be laughed at. Yes. I mean, <laughs> he wants to go higher. He wants to go around the world. <laughs> Boom. Goodbye to her brother. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, so it is born from a trauma, but at the same time, it's just interesting to watch how she's like, okay, I saw my mom and she was in control of her sexuality and she was desired by a man by being Ann Bowman, who was her real name, but Mm -hmm. she had changed it. And so I think that was just interesting to watch that she was like, okay, that's how a woman really uses their sexuality is being in control and having the say. And I thought that was nicer to see than I mean, I know this isn't a deep movie, everybody, but I, I thought that was nicer to see than, you know, in other things where it was like, uh, where it wouldn't be like that. And then I think because of that, and because she kind of embraces that later on, that's how she kind of comes around to just be chiclet. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I went a little too deep with that. No, I know. No, that's but <laughs> All right. That is awesome. I like, I like when we kind of take these more or less superficial just kind of fun movies and read way too much into them i mean like that's the whole reason why i started this podcast is because i do that and (laughs) i'm just like i get too obsessed and so that's that's perfect um (laughs) we'll go ahead and we'll just skip down to like the uh, lgbtqia representation for 2000s 
um, because I was kind of reading that like Charles Bush, because he would uh, perform in his plays and some other movie spots as female characters in drag, that he kind of started developing a fairly good sized uh, gay following. So keeping in in mind that this is 2000s, because <laughs> um, I also have mental illness on here as well. And again, keeping that in mind that it's 2000s, this is a parody satire of multiple movie genres. I wasn't super critical on the mental illness stuff, um, but the I always really kind of appreciated a little bit of, you know, as a straight woman, that we did have gay characters in this movie. There was a, a small, a brief moment where Bernadine and Chicklet almost kiss. They kind of lean in in a, they're sitting on the bed having a chat mm-hmm. and they start leaning in. And then like, I don't know, like the mom or somebody comes in and inter- interrupts it. So there's, you know, maybe Bernadine, uh, maybe she's still kind of figuring out that maybe she likes women more than men. Um, but then we have Provolone and who is it? Eddie, I think. And he's like, Provolone. Yes. And so throughout the movie, they're playing slap ass. They're wrestling oh. each other all the time. And there's a couple of times where even like their surfer buddies are like, this this, this seems to be Yeah, the slow montage when they're wrestling and they're putting <laughs> oil on their body. Yes. <laughs> oh, I uh. love it so much. And then poor Provolone, he becomes constipated throughout he's constipated throughout the movie and he's you know his so his surfing is off because the center of gravity is off and he doesn't understand why and then finally him and eddie kind of like they profess their love for each other and they kiss and then that just triggers the poop and like (laughs) provolone's no longer all bound up and he's comfortable and so i always thought that was even for 2000 like i don't know i always really liked that I, i mean for as funny as it was, but also how just kind of sweet it was as well. <laughs> I don't know if that, any of that makes any sense. No, it does. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought that was a good, and it was an interesting metaphor, someone being constipated mm-hmm. because they're not being who they truly are. And then the second they are who they truly are, they're no longer constipated. And yeah, it's gross up humor. But at the same time, that was such an interesting metaphor because you realize that's why he's been constipated this whole time because it's a running joke throughout the movie and then that's when you realize that's why and I so appreciated that when they finally did kiss that there wasn't this moment of fear from either one of them it was like this oh this is what we've been missing and this is what I've wanted to do for so long and I'm so glad you've wanted to do it for so long and now I can finally go to the bathroom, yeah. <laughs> which is, but, but at the same time, now I can, now I can, I think what that was is now I can finally live my life the way I was supposed to live my life. Yep. So, you know, granted there are some stereotypes thrown in here, but they didn't, it didn't bother me because of the fact that like, you know, when they're trying on women's clothing and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but it didn't bother me in this so much because of the genre of film it was, if this had been like a straight movie, I, I mean that and the fact that it's not like a weird B movie type thing, then I would have had an issue with it, of course, but I don't, I didn't think it was that bad. And for, which it's so weird to say for the 2000s, it's like, 
Yeah, Shouldn't right? we have been more progressive anyway? But for the 2000s, to have it be where neither one of them freaked out when they did kiss, that's amazing. That's pretty mm-hmm. huge, honestly. Absolutely. And I even thought, like, uh, Bettina, the, you know, the B-movie actress within the movie. I love her. When, oh, I love her, too. When she catches Provolone and Eddie trying on her frilly things, mm-hmm. she was, she, no judgment. She's like, white looks great on you, but Provolone, this isn't your color. Try this other one. And then, and then you know, because they haven't come out yet, so they get very nervous and like, no, no, we got to go. The guys are waiting for us. And she's like, but you haven't seen my shoes. <laughs> her no. squeaky little voice. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> It's like she was bummed. She was like this close to having yeah. like her gay posse and they <laughs> just ran off because they weren't ready yet. And so she's like, but we could play dress up and do makeovers. I also like because we find out later that the killer, before we find out who the killer is, they start to piece together that the killer is offing people that are different. Hair mm-hmm. lip, wheelchair, a uh, person in a wheelchair. Um, and, uh, psoriasis or not, not psoriasis. Um, cause that's, yeah, no psoriasis. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it is psoriasis, yeah. What was I th- Anyways, but, and, and granted the moment that Povoloni and Eddie profess their love for each other. And then, you know, they're at the luau and everything. It's like, granted, they haven't come out to anybody else, but they don't seem concerned for their safety because of being quote different. So mm-hmm. I did kind of like that, even though that this takes place in the 60s and homosexuality was still like not accepted and all of this, at no point throughout the movie were Provolone and Eddie, even at this point, ever in danger. They just yeah. they weren't they weren't different enough. <laughs> so I because at the Luau, Starcat's wandering through and he sees Bettina and she's talking to her new friend who's deaf and has 11 fingers and he says and Starcat under his breath says like you know something like poor bastard doesn't stand a chance (laughs) (laughs) so I I did kind of I never really noticed that and again like I said they hadn't come out to anybody else at this point but they weren't concerned about their safety of some killer killing people that are different Mm -hmm. so it, like I said, they weren't different enough. So I thought it was, I, I love, I loved it. I thought they were so cute. And then again, yeah, just the, the slow-mo oil wrestling. Shit that was hilarious. And we're, he's just squirting more oil on them, like constantly. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, we need to stop. We need to stop. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, yeah. We'll also, let's do the mental illness bit real quick. Um, like I said, we have got a character with dissociative identity disorder. As I said, since this is a parody of multiple genre movies, I went a little, went pretty easy on this movie. Because I feel like these, quote, like, inaccuracies are, were, were intentional to fit the tone mm-hmm. of the movie and how it kind of, in a little bit, like, maybe makes fun, pokes fun at it. But the one line that kills me every time is when Starcat says, sounds like she's got, she suffers from morbidly psychotic episodes of schizophrenia. I'm like, that is a hell of a line. I know. And then when she repeats it later, it's like, do you think I suffer from morbidly psychotic episodes of schizophrenia? So like that line existing in this movie alone tells me it's all intentional to be. Oh yeah the way it is so 
And also he diagnoses her on a beach <laughs> and hypnotizes her on a beach. And he's not like a full-fledged doctor. He's, he's had like three years at Northwestern and he dropped out to do the surfing thing. So he's super qualified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, this is one area that I critique very heavily in, mm-hmm. in media. And I actually don't have a problem with it in this. And that's because of the kind of movie it is. I probably would have had a little bit of an issue if she was the killer, to be honest. Sure. When she was hypnotized and she's remembering when she, with her brothers. <laughs> I know it's a traumatic experience, but it just cracks me it's, up. It's, it's supposed so to crack you yeah. up. When she's remembering that, I was like, oh no, is she going to get really mad? And then she's going to kill her brother? Because that was not, and she wasn't murdering her brother. <laughs> so I'm glad that didn't happen. And I'm glad like her mom wasn't the killer, that kind of stuff. So I didn't have a problem with it, even when they later show her in the psychiatric hospital. And then that's actually a movie. And then, you know, movie within a movie, within a movie, within a movie. And then, <laughs> that's really- yeah. I love it. I love it. It's so, so 80s. <laughs> so that it didn't bother me. I really don't have any critiques of it because it knows how outlandish it is. It knows that this is not reality. It's not saying this is what this really looks like at all. But I did find it interesting that they said the schizophrenia thing, because for so often people that have schizophrenia, a lot of times people will say they have, well, back when they would call it multiple personality disorder, they would say that they would conflate the two and say they were the same and they're not at all the same. They're totally different. So I thought that was a funny little, I don't know if they were doing it on purpose as a wink and a nod, but I thought that was an interesting thing to put in there. I always kind of assumed it was again, like you said, because of the, just the type of movie, this is the tone Mm -hmm. of the movie. It's campy, it's poking fun. So that was always my take. So, yeah. Uh, Yeah. I, and I added that because I know how, how you strongly critique that subject in media. So I wanted to get your take on that. Well, thank Um, you. Yes, of course. but yeah, so we talked about Chicklet and a little bit about the great Kanaka that was played by Thomas Gibson. At this point, I only knew him as Greg from Dharma and Greg. So it was pretty wild to see him in kind of this role where not only is he just like the cool king surfer guy of the beach, but he likes to be dominated. He absolutely is a little Mr. Yes, Mistress man. <laughs> yes, he, yes, 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 yes. And then... He's like, yeah, when he's trying to call out Ann Bowman with the circles and everything, you know, you can kind of see first that he's got cuffs on underneath like his button up uh, shirt or whatever. And then when he thinks Ann Bowman's about to show up or when she does appear, he like takes his shirt off and he's wearing like a corset. And then that's when Charlene comes out and she's like, whatever, I'm not down with that, blah, blah, blah. But I thought that was fucking hilarious of this great Kanaka king of the beach <laughs> yeah is a little sub <laughs> mr macho man mr you know who would usually be a poster child for toxic masculinity in a way i loved that i loved that and he was a very good sub i have to say <laughs> he was. very good he was always in that mode of like yes mistress constantly <laughs> everything he was doing putting the circles around was a way of him also doing that I think too mm-hmm. so yeah I, I love that and then seeing him in the corset I thought was great too because so much of that you know playing on the gender roles and stuff was pretty awesome awesome mm-hmm. to see so 
I, I appreciated that a lot. <laughs> and it was nice too, because at one point, like Starcat confronts Kanaka about kind of him hanging out with Chicklet without mm-hmm. knowing that Chicklet has DID yet. And, you know, so he's like calling out Kanaka, like, well, she's just a kid. And Kanaka's like, I haven't touched her. And you're just like, yeah, that's right. You've been getting spanked. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, even though Kanaka is like this full grown man and Chicklet is only supposed to be like 16. At first, it's very like, oh, where is this going to go? But it it, it didn't cross. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how else to say that. They didn't. Well, that's another thing I appreciate is I think a lot of people misunderstand what BDSM and that kind of area is. And I think people always assume it always means sex. Right. And it doesn't. A lot of the times it has nothing to do with actual intercourse. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> so the fact that they didn't go there was good. I mean, with this movie it's it's easy to forgive so much because of the genre of the film so that's how people get away with so much in these kind of movies yeah because <laughs> it's easier to forgive certain things right because you know they're really poking fun of that at that stuff they're not you know embracing that stuff for, right they're not trying but, to make yeah. like a like a this is how it is kind of statement and they're like yeah mm-hmm. like it's just poking fun so I did. I did like that. I mean, this movie has like, like I said, it crosses genres. So you've got the BDSM, you've got the slasher horror, you've got, you know, the 60s beach movies. And then uh, because Wikipedia threw in 50s psychodrama, which totally like because I got some like psycho vibes from this, Mm -hmm. especially the scene towards the end uh, with Chicklet and Lars in the car. And then, you know, Bettina and the gang, they've all kind of pieced together that Lars is the killer. And, but it was like just the shot of Chicklet and Lars in the vehicle driving. It's dark, just that light kind of just over their eyes. Yeah, the way it's shot. Their face. And so I love that. I don't, I just, that's one of my favorite shots of this movie. I don't know Mm -hmm. why, but it's just, it very feels very reminiscent of psycho and fun fact i saw in my time hop today that it was it's like our anniversary of having recorded bates motel oh awesome oh that's that's funny yeah that's pretty cool (laughs) that's our podcast crossover fun fact for the day (laughs) (laughs) the very first episode we ever did together yep so this is so and then here we are was it a year (laughs) yeah that's awesome i love that that makes me very happy yeah so it's, oh, it's just all meant to be. But yeah, so as we said, as I said, Lars is the killer. Lars is like this exchange student that's staying with uh, Chicklet and her mom. And he's like Swedish. So he has, or, you know, has that like Swedish or Norwegian accent. That accent. Oh my God. <laughs> but we find out he is like, his family was murdered. And he was like the sole survivor, but like they never found out what happened to the kid. You know, just this family was murdered. And then, yeah, yeah, we find out that Lars survived the family massacre because he's the one that killed his family because they were all weird. They were all different. And so this was his chance to be free and normal. Okay. <laughs> Going around and committing serial murder is super normal, Lars. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> 
that is pretty American normal. Oh, that's it. Yeah. But <laughs> so I I loved I did like Lars. We don't get a whole heck of a lot of them throughout the movie because, you know, they're trying to lead us down other whodunit paths. Yeah. But I did like the scene where he's okay, so the mom is like in the kitchen getting like <laughs> drinking alone. <laughs> and Lars comes in and she's like, oh, can you change that light bulb up there? It's driving me batty. And I love Beth Broderick. I love her so much. She's so good. She's so fucking good. And so I always knew her as uh, Aunt Zelda from uh, the original Sabrina, the mm-hmm. Teenage Witch. So seeing her in this role was a little different and was just like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but so Lars is up on a stepladder trying to change this light bulb. And so his his junk is about eye level to hers, and she's all like <laughs> trying to like come on to him. And finally, she's like, "Oh, for God's sakes, just stick it in the socket or something like that." Yes. And he's like, "No, this is wrong. This is wrong." And runs out. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes. It's so funny. <laughs> it is. It's hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, good old Lars. What'd you think of Lars and that twist? Well, what I love about that twist, I want to say is you've got the quote unquote, the most normal person in this family. You've got this person who is, you know, like very supposed to be very attractive, very, you know, like a really like the typical, like Ken doll, almost like the man you should be looking for. And the fact that he's the killer, instead of having like somebody who is a quote unquote, not normal person as he would have put it. Or I liked that a lot because too often what you will see is the opposite Mm -hmm. of that. You would have had one of the children of that family that was slaughtered, maybe be the killer or something like that. And so I appreciated that it was really a play on it's disgusting when people are targeting. I know I'm reading so deep in this movie. I I love it. Keep going. But it's disgusting when people are targeting people that are that people, for lack of a better word, call freaks mm-hmm. in the world. And so how awful to do that. So we're going to make this person who is doing this, these awful things to people be the most normal person in the movie, with the exception of his accent, but the most normal Kendall, mm-hmm. innocent looking person in the movie be the one that's actually doing this which I and I really appreciated that a lot and I'm glad we didn't see too much of him because I think that made even though I figured it out by that time when she went off with him like that's who the killer is Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I appreciated we didn't see him too much because I think it would have been a little bit too much like oh my gosh if I have to listen to this accent anymore because it's so over the top it would have been a little bit hard to take after a while, I think. So I'm glad we didn't spend too much time with him. Yeah. that He did have one of the better, more memorable, I think, quotable lines of the movie is when he asks Chicklet to stitch his pants for the luau because every time you stick, I can't do it. Sorry. Not going to try that one. <laughs> um, I don't know what was about to come out of my mouth, but it wasn't like a Swedish <laughs> I can I can maybe get away. I can maybe pull it off if I think about it, but I don't want to do that. But yeah, he's like, you know, if you could sew my pants, because every time I put my hand in my pocket, I feel a little prick. And then, you know, the girls giggle. End of scene. So I love these little writing moments. And yeah, 
So, but I agree. I'm glad we didn't get too much of him. Yeah. So, all right. So we also have Starcat played by um, Nicholas Brendan, who was, you know, on Buffy the Vampire Slayer series. So a show I surprisingly never got into or Charmed. I never got into either of those. So I wasn't familiar. Like, I knew he was on Buffy, but uh, I wasn't familiar with the show or the characters. So it was just, again, kind of seeing some of these actors from nicer <laughs> i don't know nicer. how to put it. maybe not nicer but you know what i mean i don't know it was to see him in something kind of campy like this and just kind of having fun with everyone seems to have had fun with this movie so but he is he's the guy that chicklet kind of has her eye like is starting to crush on a little bit you know starcat is fancying marvel ann played by Amy Adams, who I totally forgot was in this movie. Everyone's just so young and just so little babies. She's so adorable. <laughs> she, I mean, she's a bitch, but she's so adorable. Yeah. <laughs> At the same time, I love Amy Adams a lot. So, <laughs> so he's, you know, so he's, Starcat runs with the surfer crowd. He's dating Marvel Ann, but him and Chicklet are starting to co- become closer and closer. And he's maybe starting to realize that he has a crush on her. And in preparation for, like, the luau and maybe starting to, like, get into boys, Chicklet asks Starcat, kind of like, well, what do you do with Marvel Ann? And how do I, you know, like, sit with a boy or make out with a boy? And that fucking conversation took a nice, hard left. And (laughs) when he was like, (laughs) I know, (laughs) he's like like yeah and then you know like she'll kiss my chest and you know we'll caress and then my erect penis grazes her cheek <laughs> and then she cups my balls and plays with my plays with my anus with her finger and then chicklet's like, She's oh like God, Whoa. And <laughs> but i love how so casually it's just my erect penis grazes her face like what <laughs> he's saying it in this way that it's like it's a romance novel it's so that scene though is she is basically reenacting everything he's saying but she stops once it gets to that once Mm -hmm. he once it gets to him taking out his erect penis she totally stops because she was like they were both like kind of nuzzling each other's necks then she's kind of kissing down his chest and then he gets to that she's like uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh god that scene is so funny and it just even i (laughs) Man, I it's been so long since I've seen this movie, so I forgot about that part too. And it have I just busted out laughing. I was like, it's so I love funny. this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, what do you think of Star Cat overall? Well, I'm a huge Buffy fan. A huge Buffy fan. It's one of my all-time favorite shows. We have done two episodes on it on my podcast. I am also, I want to just throw out there, I'm a huge six feet under fan. One of my favorite shows ever. We're gonna do an episode about that later. And you need to watch this show, Jen. <laughs> you would love Six Feet Under. You would love, I don't know if you'd like Buffy, but you would love Six Feet Under. I really I made, think you would. <laughs> I made the conscious choice not to watch the Buffy TV series because I loved the movie so oh, much. Oh, this, the series is 10 bazillion times better. So than the movie. I was, I was very stubborn and was just like, no, Christy Swanson's my Buffy. Well, 
she's not anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> she's so horrible. Oh my in god, real life. What happened? <laughs> her, her and all our teen idols. Oh my yeah, gosh, they're anyways, all horrible. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of them. So, so yes, go ahead. You're a big fan of Buffy, and now I've got so, homework. <laughs> Yes, I'm like, I'm giving you homework. I know you have a lot of homework I've been giving you. Uh, <laughs> so, and when I first watched Buffy, I loved the character of Xanders, the character that he plays on Buffy that Nicholas uh, Brendan plays on there. I'm not a big fan of that character anymore in uh, older light. <laughs> uh, but this is kind of a play on that character in some respects, except for he's a lot more confident and he's not the nerd. But he's still... He still is playing, I think, in this kind of the straight guy to everybody else's kind of wackiness, mm-hmm. except for, you know, even even though he talks about his erect penis and all that stuff, he's still pretty much the straight guy. He is like the guy who's kind of stuck in this wackiness and he's the one that's supposed to be like have his head on his shoulders and knows what's going on. He's the smart guy who is falling for the girl who is the outcast in a way, or who is the nerdy one, the one that nobody wants to look at, the one that in typical teen movies, she would have, if she had glass, she does have glasses, she would take off her glasses and she would have become, does she have glasses? No, she doesn't no. have glasses. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of her best friend, sorry. She would have taken off her glasses and become the gorgeous person. Instead, she puts on a different personality and that's when she becomes, <laughs> she becomes Anne Bowman and then she is a beautiful, beautiful woman um, and powerful. Uh, so, but I liked him in this a lot because you can tell he's having a lot of fun. And I think he probably really appreciated being able to, I think all the actors did to be in a movie like this, where even though he is more of the straight one to out of the wackiness, he still gets to have some fun and say those outrageous lines and do those outrageous things. And a lot of these actors didn't get a chance to really do some of that stuff. So I love watching him this because he's just having fun and you can tell, and he really is taking this seriously, even though this isn't a serious movie, he's taking his job seriously. He's not just phoning it in and he delivers the line so well. And he has so many looks of like, after that scene, when she's running off and he's like, no, Chicklet, wait. And the way he delivers <laughs> that line and the, the, the hurt in his eyes. And it's very much like a teen romance. It's like, even though he's honestly a lot older, too that's mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, he's in college he's in like his third year he's he's, t- yeah. he's like past that so he's got to be in his 20s mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a little iffy too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i guess when you think about it but i still was like oh i want them together they're cute they're sweet yeah. you know you know so i i liked i liked him a lot and i liked uh, that he sort of, you could tell right away that he liked her from the beginning. It was not a secret and very much of that enemies to friends and then to lovers kind of thing was what they were doing there. And I liked how he stuck up for her. And I liked how, I mean, I liked that she got her surfer name and how he was fine with her becoming part of their crew pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Even though he was resistant at first, I liked that they eventually were like, no, 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 she can be part of our, part of our group. So I liked him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good old star cat and his erect penis all up on chick's cheeks and whatnot. So romantic. <laughs> Very romantic. <laughs> yes. Oh, I, 
I want to just kind of talk about the mom real quick. Uh, we did discuss that she is the reason for part of the reason of the Ann Bowman personality. Mm-hmm. Um, she, so she like, she, she, after the death of her son <laughs> and she started a new life and, you know, changed her name and everything, which I think it's still kind of funny that Chicklet's personality, it's not just a take on who her mom used to be, but it's just straight up who her mom was name and all. Yes. And so I'm like, you must've done a really good job because no one knew who the fuck Ann Bowman was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but my, I think my favorite with her is at the end at the luau when the police show up and they think they really, they think it's, they still think that it's the mom. Mm-hmm. who has committed these murders and they start dragging her away and she's fighting and she's resisting. And then she wraps her legs around like some statue thing. She's like, no, no, you're, you're not going to take me. You motherfucking cocksuckers. <laughs> <laughs> to hear, to hear Ann Zelda utter those words was a bit much, but I <laughs> loved it. And it was kind of that moment where I was like, I like this actress a lot because she can go because she's great at her job she goes from playing aunt zelda in a very family friendly comedy to yelling motherfucking cocksuckers while trying to straddle a statue in resisting arrest and yet i don't know she's still so classy when she does it so i i loved i thought she was I, I I just a hoot and that those were almost all words. That was almost a sentence. Beth Broderick is a hoot in this movie. There, yes, got it. <laughs> she is. So, uh, let's see. Any characters you want to discuss? I mean, we've got you know the whole little surfer gang. We still have Marvel Anne. I mean, Bettina. There's we have an oh, and then Detective Monica Stark herself and her connection to Kanaka. Yeah. Well, I quickly want to mention Rhonda because, and Rhonda is a wheelchair user, which I mean, I know this is the early 2000s, so it's kind of disappointing they didn't cast a wheelchair user. If this was made today, I, they would have to do that. But what I appreciated about this character is usually when you have a character and when you first meet her, you think this is what's going to happen, who is disabled in any way, usually they're portraying this character as kind of the, um, angelic in this way that like they're not human and they're treated they're in they're treated like an infant and she is a bitch she is like the bitchiest of all of the female characters and she will just the things she says to people and she just you know calls them out like when she when she when she comes up to their table in one scene and and with the actress and then you've got um a bunch of other people. And she's like, and you're not invited. You cannot come to my party. Mm-hmm. And she just finds little ways to just needle every single person. And I appreciated that so much just because usually those characters are not treated like that in movies. And it was just nice to see that she was not treated like an infant or like a helpless child or like she couldn't have this bitchiness to her. Mm-hmm. And so I really, I appreciated her character a lot. So I wanted to just call that out just because I just thought that was, that was interesting to see. Very rare to see that. 
See, and I and I and I liked Ron. I like her for the same reasons. You know, she is just kind of like this bitchy character. But then in rewatching it, I couldn't help but kind of think like, does she fall into the trope of angry disabled person? Because that, that's bitchy. true. But yeah. we don't know why she's bitchy, and I guess that's kind of on us if we assume she's bitchy because she's in a wheelchair. We don't know. Maybe she was a bitch before that if she wasn't born disabled. We don't know. But um, so that was that was like one kind of little trope stereotype that still kind of stood out nowadays where I'm like are we doing that's a good disabled point. or is she just a bitchy character who happens to be in a wheelchair we don't get enough to know about her and so that's we can write our own fanfic about Rhonda before she dies and her death I, scene yeah <laughs> sorry go ahead with her head <laughs> oh my gosh yeah well and no that's a good point I kind of took it as she was like the queen bee in class and she was like the head of like she was which I appreciated because it was more felt like she was more like I am the queen bee and everybody bows down to me and I didn't necessarily see it as that stereotype but that is a good that is an interesting point I just saw it more as like she's the queen bee (laughs) and it almost kind of fits like with her death you know kind of that head bitch in charge (laughs) (laughs) she's headless (laughs) she's not in charge of anything and (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) that was one of the first times I watched this movie, that was the death scene that made me laugh the hardest was I was like, they really just fucking put a person's head on the spinning wheel of a tipped over wheelchair. <laughs> they're just going to let it, and they're all just standing there staring at it. <laughs> this movie's so silly. Uh, yeah. 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 No, I'm glad you brought up. I do like, like, I do like the bitchiness of the character. And in, in some ways, she always kind of reminded me of Parker Posey's character in Dazed and Confused. Yeah. Just I that level that. of bitchy head bitch mm-hmm. in charge kind of vibe to her also the hair I think was very similar so I yeah. for that I because after I got over my I don't like Parker Posey because she was too good at being mean as Darla I was like oh I like her <laughs> just like her yay yeah <laughs> oh let's see we've got like I said we got a lot of other care oh and yeah so Detective Monica Stark played by Charles Bush who again is the writer director creator of this movie and the stage play well, he didn't like direct the movie stuff. though he didn't direct the movie no but he... the play he directed the play. let's see let me double check correct yeah robert lee king is the director but the writer and uh for the play and the screenplay were charles was charles bush so he plays detective monica stark or i'm sorry captain monica stark and uh, so she's very much, you know, she's on it. She's tracking this killer and everything. But then, but then we get that little bit of backstory of her and Kanaka <laughs> and how Kanaka was a cop and he was fine with being a beat cop. And they're all like banging in the back of like a cop car and everything. And he's talking about wedding plans. And she's like, well, I have my detective exam in the morning or whatever. And she wants more for her. She wants to advance her career. She doesn't want to worry about being married at at this point or anything. And sweet little Kanaka just wants to be married and just a boring old beat cop and live happily ever after. Um, But it doesn't work out. And he's just, so he leaves. And then, mm-hmm. so Monica's left in the car. They kind of do this throughout the movie where she's like, no, come back, like through the window, all dramatic light. Yes. I love it. So 
things didn't work out with Monica and Kanaka until the very <laughs> end. For some whatever fucking reason, now they're just going to walk off. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is so silly. Um, so after Lars has been defeated and everything, up on top of like a big billboard or above the screen at the drive-in, and they're climbing down. First Chicklet comes down and then, I don't know, decides to skip the last several ladder rungs and lands safely in Starcat's arms. Next is uh, Captain Monica Stark. Same thing. And she lands neat and safe in Kanaka's arms. And then they just go walking off, I don't know, to make out or no, to bang in the back of the car again or something. And I'm like, you've got a dead body laying on the floor. Like, I know this is not a legit <laughs> movie. Yeah, this really is not what gonna, would really happen. I'm <laughs> really just going to walk away and, and bang in the back of a car now? Okay, cool. <laughs> so they end up back together. I don't know. It's so silly. It made zero sense. What did you think of Captain Monica and Kanaka's connection? It made zero sense. Yeah. Like you said, it made zero, zero sense. It, 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 it was just, it was just kind of there. Um, it was an interesting way to end their storylines. <laughs> With them going, the, the sex scene of them in the, in, in the cop car was so flipping hilarious. The way it was shot was just so out of the blue. And you can tell, like, it was another play in sexuality and men and how men are more selfish sometimes in bed because she's definitely has not gotten off. You can tell. <laughs> He's just like, I need a breather. Let's talk for a few. And she's like, what the hell? <laughs> yep. Well, I thought, was, I always thought it was more of like a romantic, like, he's just like, no, no, I just, I want to snuggle for a bit and almost. Well, no, like I think her, that's what, yeah. Yeah. And almost her just being like, look, I have things to do. Let's just wrap this up get me off so I can go and study for my exam <laughs> no that's that's true. yeah I think it was more I think this whole movie is a play on gender stereotypes and so it was very much a play on you know he usually would be the one that'd be just quick and easy and that and breezy and that's it and you know wham bam thank you ma'am kind of thing and she more wanted the bam and she wanted no cuddling she did not want to be talking and being like oh let's talk about our future and let's get romantic because she's a she's very serious and you know I mean you wouldn't usually see a female in charge at this time in movies like you would not see the person figuring it all out being a woman so once again it's another playing gender stereotypes and of course having a man playing that role also plays into gender stereotypes so I think it's just another it's another plan that but the scene just cracked me up I just thought it was hilarious just because you're what when you watch her face and she's just like what the <laughs> fuck dude I we are not you know, like married you want to get married I'm not and I think it was also like I'm not gonna give up my freedom and my independence for some man <laughs> Uh, she is a career woman she is driven and determined to become you know detective and then eventually captain and yeah she's got other things going on although she's not very i mean she's good at her job but she's the scene where she's trying to figure out the (laughs) the anagram of the name and she's like okay so if you move this the h here and the o there let's move them back here (laughs) 
And you know what? And good on that other police officer for keeping up with her because I'm just like, no. <laughs> I looked at her like, are you fucking kidding me right now? You're just rearranging. I don't know. My brain doesn't do that. So I'm just like, that's like impossible to do. Yeah. Her brain is so strong. <laughs> and I thought it was interesting that her outfit was based on, I don't know if you saw that, based on a flight attendant uniform. <laughs> I know I was trying to analyze where that was coming from, but <laughs> I, was gonna I, say, I didn't get there. What are we going to read too much into it? For <laughs> She's taken off. No, <laughs> <laughs> She's t- or, or, you know, flight attendants were very much sexualized. I mean, they still are to an extent, but really sexualized back then. So maybe it was another gender play. I don't know. I don't know either. But it, you know, it was a conscious choice, and so there's a reason for. Yes, it. I just haven't sussed it out yet. But uh, if anyone knows, feel free yes. to leave a comment or tweet. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Any anyone else you want to talk about real quick? I mean, uh, we touched a little bit on uh, Bettina. We've got Bernadine, the best friend. Um, any of the other surfer fellas? Because we touched on a lot of them. We touched on them a little bit when we were talking about provolone and everything. Um, yeah, because like the other surfer guys start getting off pretty off pretty quickly. Yes, yes. So you know the kid with the the skin thing. He was the first of the guys to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked a little bit about Bettina Barnes, but we didn't really talk about her too much. Mm-mm. No, she's definitely, I, I would agree that she's kind of got that like Marilyn Monroe, maybe even like Jane Mansfield kind of vibe to mm-hmm. her of this, just being a beautiful blonde bombshell, but kind of stuck doing eh, movies, these B movies and not really being taken seriously. Yeah. By the end, she's like, no, no, I'm going to turn all of this into a movie and it's going to be like my greatest thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. So there's ambition there. There's drive and want. So I always liked I always liked Bettina and I thought that she was a funny and fun character in this movie. Your thoughts? Anything to add? Yeah, I mean, she's very much a play in that that bombshell and the sex kitten kind of thing, too. Um, and the way the men, like, um, when they first discover who it is who's staying at the haunted place where the family was murdered. And when they figure out who it is and they all kind of swarm around her. And it was really kind of uncomfortable because, and not like that they shouldn't have done it. It was just uncomfortable because, you know, you can tell she kind of wanted to have her own privacy and she wanted to have a moment away from being just that person. And like, you got the feeling like when she said she's left the studio and she snuck off from the studio, you got this feeling like she like lives at the studio. Like they got her, I mean, there used to be like on studio lots, you'd have like apartments or housing or something. And so you got the feeling that they like kept her there. Like she was part of the studio system. So I think it was also planned that that the studio system was not very nice and kind to a lot of actors and actresses, especially. And so it was kind of like, they were like, you're our property, you're on contract with us. So we 
own you. Mm -hmm. And so she was finally escaping that. And so I think for her, it was kind of like, no, no, I want to be just a normal woman and just lay out here in the sun. And I am an act, I'm actually a good actress. I'm not just, you know, in these B movies, I want to be known for more than the, um, what was the name of that? Because I put it in my notes. The movie that plays at the beginning, the yes. pizza waitress with three heads. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Erica, the pizza waitress with three heads. Oh my God. I love it. And you know what? If that movie existed, I would watch the shit out of it. I know. Cause... I was like, where is that movie? Yeah. <laughs> I don't that movie. Oh, I love that opening. I forgot that it opened with like that, that movie within the movie. Yeah. And all in just black and white and campy and the hot guys talking to her through like the small window that only fits like her face. And he's like, I want to see all of you. And like tears down. I don't know, like this cardboard wall kind of thing. I know. It's so weird. <laughs> and she's got just like, oh, they're so bad. Just these fake ass rubber prosthetic Halloween mask. Yes. <laughs> Don't look at me. <laughs> it's so silly. I love the silliness of this movie. Everything. <laughs> yes. Silly. And very dramatic scene, too. It's this very over the top mm -hmm. scene. And then it goes to people watching this movie at the drive in, mm -hmm. which I loved that the drive in played such a huge part because it's sad to me that so many generations won't understand what a drive in is mm -hmm. or get to experience that. But surprised anyway. that they didn't really that drive-ins didn't really make have a bigger comeback during quarantine because like that's how people still could have gone to see fucking movies and well they did have some what there some, were some yeah. that did have that and they had like i mean there are a couple drive-ins here and i know they did they would like replay older movies and stuff and mm -hmm. And like, we have something called, we have the best concert venue everywhere, anywhere, Red Rocks, but oh, yeah. they do every year they do film on the rocks and how oh. they did it during quarantine. And, and last year I went to go see the Lost Boys this way is you would do that like a drive-in. So they would play it on a big screen drive-in and you'd get like, you know, a food pack or something. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, so, but yeah, I think drive-ins are such a special little thing. And it's sad to me that they're not More. really around that much or not as popular so yeah I know we have there's a drive-in somewhere in south central Wisconsin <laughs> <laughs> I, I we've driven past it I think they might do yeah like just replays of older movies family movies and stuff throughout the summertime but I was like this is really your time to shine you know that first especially that first year I was like oh yeah now. so but I don't know. We still don't leave the house much, but, <laughs> but I think, I think drive-ins that would just be so fun. I've never been to a drive-in, so never. Had oh, you haven't, drive you've mm -hmm. never been to a drive-in. Oh, drive that makes me sad. <laughs> like now I want you to experience the drive. There's also a hotel here or like a motel or something. I don't know. I've never been there, but I want to go sometime. And it's like in Southern Colorado and you, and it's has a drive-in. So you can rent a room and have big windows there and <laughs> watch it. And you have snacks, movie snacks. And oh, I really want to go sometime. I know. I'm like, that would be fun. You don't have to watch it from a room, but they have that. So I think that would be interesting to go. It would depend, of course, on what they're playing. But 
Yeah, because they have speakers throughout the room. So that's how you hear everything. Oh my God, that is so cool. <laughs> I want to go to there. That sounds fun. <laughs> Jen's going to fly out here and go there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe I'll just drive. <laughs> Take a nice road trip. There you go. <laughs> that's okay, though. All right. Well, I'm sure there's other characters we could talk about, but I kind of want to talk about the ending real quick. So we find out that Lars is the killer, as we said. Uh, let's see. Chicklet is, then she goes and gets treatment, gets put into a site. Oh, there's, even before all of, all of that, at the Luau, uh, before Starcat hypnotizes her, they're like, you know, no, we don't, you know, don't hypnotize her, I think the mom says. And then Monica, the captain, Captain Stark's like, where you can go down to the hospital and get a nice ice pick lobotomy. And all I could think about was fucking ratchet at that point. I was like, oh, do the hypnosis. <laughs> so, damn you, Ryan Murphy. <laughs> I say that every day of my life. <laughs> so that was just a kind of a quick moment for me where I was like, oh, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> but funny. so then we see Chicklet is in a mental uh, health facility uh she's waking up it's all been some sort of like dream or something and then she goes and they set her up to get electroshock therapy but then we cut from that to back to the drive-in and two kids a couple kind of sitting and they're like oh well it's based on a true story you know oh this is so weird or wild or whatever and then up from the back seat with a butcher's knife is Chicklet sounding a little like Ann Bowman yeah. and goes to kill this couple and then the movie ends. So I always love that in the sense that it is like that 70s, 80s horror movie where the even though she wasn't the killer, <laughs> the killer wasn't actually dead. What did you think of that wild twist in a twist in a twist? I'm very mixed on it, to be honest. Uh, well, when it first, when it first, the first twist is her actually that she's actually in a psychiatric facility, that she's in a hospital. So none of that other stuff happened. It's all in her head. And then they go to give her electric shock treatments and the people that were in part of her dream are there giving her the treatments. And then you go to the, oh yeah, she has uh, her like Wizard of Oz moment. And yes. Like, and you, you were there. there. You were there. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know. There was a part of me. I'm kind of like, I, I get what you're doing, but I kind of, I, I do like the very last thing of her popping up in the back seat of the people at the drive-in talking about, oh, this was based on a true story. Um, you know, because they're frustrated. You mean that was all a dream? That's so mm -hmm. ridiculous, but this, you know, and so I liked that, but I don't know. I kind of was like, I would have been fine if it didn't add the twist in there so it's the old that one of the things that i'm kind of uh, i'm still mulling over i think i have to watch it again and decide my real feelings on it because it was kind of like ah, oh, you undid some things that i really loved so much about it so it's <laughs> i don't know so that's why i'm kind of mixed on it i don't know now what if it ended up being lars that had popped up from the backseat our original killer and them not trying to un you know and kind of maintaining that plot point of okay so this was all so the <laughs> fuck so the movie that the kids are watching in the drive-in at the end with chicklet in the hospital okay so that was all a dream in that movie but maybe it was because it's all still based on a real story so maybe it just ends with yes chicklet 
gets placed into a facility, but that, yeah, maybe Lars didn't actually die. And so now he's alive. And because everything we just watched was the movie in the movie. God, yeah. this is getting confusing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what would you have felt? How would you have felt if it ended up being Lars in the backseat popping up? Our actual killer. I mean, I, I, you know, that's what's so weird about it is I actually would not have liked that. I, I, I like it better than it's her. But yet I don't, I don't know what it, I think it's the dream part that I don't like, and I can't pinpoint why, but it's the dream part. I don't like, like when all of a sudden she's in the hospital, I'm like, seriously, this is how we're going to end it. That this was all in her head. I don't like this. (laughs) That really bothered me. Um, so, but then when they had the, her popping up, then I was like, okay, then I'm okay with it. So it's this weird, I don't know. I can't quite too many tropes yes they tried to do too much yep for for me yeah a little messy and a little like I don't know how I feel about that I do like that she popped up at the end whether it makes sense or not I mean for fuck's sake Monica and Kanaka are back together and that makes absolutely no sense so yeah I mean it's not supposed to make (laughs) sense and I I think maybe I would have liked it better if they had taken out the dream sequence and it ended the way it ended we thought, and then you pan out, you see people are, and then it turns black and white, mm-hmm. maybe when they kiss. Okay. Um, and then it turns black and white goes and you see people are watching this, the drive in. Like, oh, that was so super cheesy. Yeah. I cannot believe it ended. And then you have her pop up. I think, you know, and even they could even say, well, this is based on a true story. You know, they're still, you know, maybe they throw out like they're still together or something like that. And then her popping up from the back seat. I think I would have enjoyed that a little bit more. I think it was really the dream sequence that kind of took me out yeah. for a minute. I was kind of like, I don't really like that. Yeah. Well, and especially at, at, you know, at this point in time too, anytime a Shore movie does a dream sequence, it's all been a dream. It feels yeah. so tired. And, you know, I get it. When Bob Newhart did it first, it was like, whoa, and everyone like lost their shit. Uh, and Dallas. And- yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I forgot about that one. So I, yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think they just try to do, they just, he just maybe just tried to pack in too many uh, little tropes and nods. And and maybe that was the point as well is, you know what, we're going to yeah. convolute this ending as much as possible because sometimes that's how some movies just end is <laughs> kind of messy. That's true. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I think this has been a great conversation. Uh, is there, so we're going to start kind of wrapping this up. Um, we'll start with uh, rewatchability. So do you think you will be rewatching this movie for funsies or for any other reason? Like where does this rank on rewatchability for you? I think it's pretty rewatchable. This would be a fun one to watch also to have playing on the, in the background. If you were doing some Halloween party or something like that, to play on a loop, I think that would be fun. I think this would be a fun one to, um, you know, if you were into cosplay, did you like cosplay? I don't know anybody. I'm sure there have been people who have done cosplay from this, oh, I would sure. assume. Um, but I do think it's rewatchable, especially if you are into these kind of movies. If you are not into these kind of movies, you will hate this movie. <laughs> But I am assuming you're into these kind of movies if you're listening. But I think if you like those B movies, especially if you like B horror movies or if you like John Waters movies, this is right up your alley and you'll like it a lot. So I think it's very rewatchable. So 
I absolutely agree. Like I said, I ended up buying it because I'm like, I want it back in my life and just accessible. Don't know why I have to sing that. But I love this movie. And <laughs> and I'm actually, yeah, I think I've got some stuff to do later today. So I might just throw it on as kind of background because it's just, it's so fun. It's so funny. The little dance-off scene between Bettina and Marvel Ann. Oh, yeah, that was... And the way that uh, Bettina and her little crew win the dance off is because Marvel Ann and her crew go and do like a jump that as a former cheerleader was something we was a style of jump we did all the time, but none of them land it and they all fall in the sand and they lose the dance off and it is hilarious. I'm like, all you did was jump. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, so funny. So cute. All right. So any stray bubbles, anything that we didn't get to that you got floating around that just got to get off your chest? Uh, I don't think so. But again, a shout out to the opening and closing credits. Um, I really like them. That was a real big play on those beach Mm -hmm. movies and surfer movies from the 60s, 50s and 60s. And I really liked that a lot. Um, And with the girl dancing and everything, Mm -hmm. that was that was pretty cool. I liked that a lot. I liked the music a lot. Like I said, it reminds me a lot of the cramps so I really appreciated the music a great deal so that was fun right on all right well we will move on to the newest segment of my streaming bubble called the six degrees of Nicolas Cage and we will be doing Psycho Beach Party obviously so we are going to get to a Nicolas Cage movie in six steps or less uh why is this a new segment of mine uh why not (laughs) that's all I gotta say (laughs) It like happened, it came up in conversation during a recording, I believe with Laura and myself, and just, we kind of went from there. No, it wasn't just Laura. It doesn't matter. It happened, and I'm like, I like it. So, Six Degrees of Nicolas Cage from Psycho Beach Party. Now, you got there in two steps, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I eventually got there in two steps. It took me a while, because I also try not to take the same paths as I've taken before with actors or movies. So I started going down a similar path that I went down uh, when I recorded with the boobs. And I was like, no, no, I can't do that. So I found it and I got there in two steps as well. So I'm very curious to see which route you took. Well, I took the route with Lauren Ambrose is who I took it with. And she was in a movie called Diggers with Sarah Paulson, who was in The Runner with Nicolas Cage. Is that how you did it? No, but I did start with Lauren Ambrose. (laughs) So, oh, that's fun. So I started with Lauren Ambrose and I got to Can't Hardly Wait because she plays Denise. And I loved that movie. And that is a great 90s soundtrack. But it also stars Peter Fessinelli, Fettinelli, F-A-C-I-N-E-L-L-I. And he was in Running with the Devil with Nicolas Cage. Ah. So. <laughs> um, and I know you started your six degrees of Finn Whitrock. And even though I this did. wasn't planned, this was what I did while like after I sent you the link this morning, like 10 minutes before we started. I was like, I wonder if I can get from <laughs> this movie to Finn. So I came up, I did it real, real super fast. And I got there. Here's our, are you ready? Yes, okay. I'm ready. 
Because I have a way to, I have a couple of ways you can do this. You can use the one I use too. Because Okay, like, now I wonder if this is it then. Okay, if this is where we are podcast brain twin moment, you know, twinning. So Amy Adams obviously is in Psycho Beach Party. She's also in, you know, the Justice League with Batfleck, Ben Affleck, who is in Deep Water with Finn Whitrock. No, but you could use Amy Adams a different way, but that's not how I did it. Oh. No, but Amy Adams, you could also use with, because Amy Adams was, was in Vice with Christian Bale and also directed by Adam McKay and Adam McKay directed and Christian Bale was in the big short with yep. Finn Whitrock. So that's one way. The way I was using was actually Lauren Ambrose again, even though you could use the same one I did, but if you were to use her and go to Six Feet Under, Six Feet Under stars the amazing Michael C. Hall, Michael C. Hall was in Dexter with Jennifer Carpenter, who was in A Mouthful of Air with Finn Whitrock. That's another way to do it. Oh That's a little God, bit longer, we are, but <laughs> we are such nerds. <laughs> oh, I can't believe that I figured that out so fast here that I figured out a couple of ways. I'm like, <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Oh my God. We yes. have problems and it's fantastic. <laughs> I would not trade our, our problems for anything else because that was amazing. I know. And I and it's so funny because we decided to do this. It was actually another another panelist, Susie, on my show. Yep. So it was like, we should play six degrees. And then and, and then you you were playing that with Nicolas Cage. And so when I decided to do it, I was like, oh well now I feel kind of bad. Like, am I stealing this idea from Jen? <laughs> no. <laughs> So we, so now we're playing, and it's just so funny because like one show we're going to record up coming, it'll take literally one degree, one degree. So that one will be the easiest one, but it's just, it's a fun, it's a fun little thing. So yeah. <laughs> it is fun. It's just, it's, it's fun. It's silly. So. It is silly that we could do that, that I could do that that quickly. That's saying something. <laughs> I am thoroughly impressed because yeah, when I was like, like oh I wonder it was like I said just totally last minute I wasn't expecting you to have anything like but you were on the ball you were a professional <laughs> I don't know what fan that does Whit about Rock me fan. exactly that's what it says about me I'm a huge Finn Whitrock fan <laughs> but yeah I was just scrolling through like Amy Adams IMDB and I'm like all right since I watched damn near all of Finn Whitrock's uh filmography I will recognize a title as soon as I see it and I I didn't even have to scroll that far when I was like, wait, Justice League. Cause she's, you know, Lois Lane. I was like, oh my God, Batfleck. <laughs> <laughs> but so that was like, yay, thanks, Ben Affleck, I guess. <laughs> Thank you for this and only this. No. <laughs> <And> only this. <laughs> Not for the weird association I have with snails now. Like they just fucking, I swear to God, more snail shit pops up. <sighs> <laughs> anyways funny um <laughs> since we still have a little bit of time we'll go ahead and do the uh what's been streaming in your bubble well speaking of Nicolas cage the unbearable weight of massive talent please go watch this movie it is so funny seriously this is one of the funniest movies i have seen in ages and what i really appreciate about this film is it's never, yes, it's kind of joking about certain things that we know about Nicolas Cage, but it's never poking fun at him. Like you can tell they really love and respect Nicolas Cage. So it's never at his expense. It's kind of like they're laughing with him and he's laughing at the joke himself. And it's so funny. It is just 
I was laughing from the beginning to the very end. And him and Pedro Pascal are so great together. I would just love to see them from now on just only do movies together. Mm -hmm. I know they wouldn't like that as actors. That wouldn't stretch (laughs) them too much. But I would love it if they would do some more movies together because they are so great, you know, interacting together and acting off of each other. And Pedro Pascal's character just loves Nicolas Cage so much. Like it's, it's, there's, I'm not going to say, but there's a scene and they they bond over a certain movie and it's just, it's adorable. I, I just, I really love this movie. I think it is so, so good. So good. I I just can't wait for you to see it. I know. I need to see it. I need to see it so bad. And I don't know when I'll get a chance to, but this, as soon as I can, I will. And as soon as it comes out on digital, maybe even DVD, I'll buy it. So then I can have all the fun extra stuff because when it comes to Nicolas Cage, it's fun and extra and I got to have it all. So he's like my own little Pokemon. I got to collect them all. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was watching going, Oh my gosh, Jen is going to fall in love with this movie. She is going to fall in love with this movie. This movie was like made for Jen. I just kept watching it going. It's like someone went, let's make Jen a, a movie exactly. just for her. <laughs> Thank you, Hollywood. <laughs> here we'll make this one so i i love i love it i yeah i think really honestly the funniest movie i've seen in ages so the best thing about that is when the first trailer teaser trailer dropped for it i think like three four people sent it to me (laughs) and this is obviously already after i'd seen it and watched it a whole bunch of times yeah and i'm like i don't care just i'll keep watching it that's fine so I've, I, when I was recording with the boobs the other day, I was saying that I feel vindicated in my love of Nick Cage of all these years and kind of dealing with, I mean, I tormented people with Nick Cage face swaps and gifts and all of that, uh, but always caught a lot of shit for it <laughs> and for loving Nick Cage for as much as I have all these years. So I was actually surprised it took me as long as it did to do a Nick Cage episode but that is one of my that was one of my favorite preps, one of my favorite like recordings because I absolutely also the kid the the whole family was gone during that week so <laughs> all I got to do I got to watch Nick Cage movies anytime I wanted to and it was amazing so <laughs> no I I I, I understand that I understand yeah, that I, I and and it's funny because you know you said it's funny that you said that with it took me so long to do one of those it's like there are certain things like. I've loved George Clooney for years and years and years. And finally this year, I'm doing a George Clooney episode. It's amazing that I didn't think of doing that before. Lots of things I thought that I love that for some reason, I didn't, mainly it's actors and stuff, but that I haven't done episodes on. That's why it was so funny. We talk about Finn Whitrock all the time. We honestly had never talked about him on my podcast as far as like doing an episode centered on something he's in. Yes, he was in American Horror Story, but that was before we were really talking about him a lot. And when we were doing Ratchet, that's what was so fun about Ratchet. I was, I was like, this is actually the first time on a podcast episode, as much crap as I got from people. That was the first time on a podcast episode that we went in depth on Finn Whitrock, mm-hmm. something that he was in really, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, there was, but most other stuff was during live streams. So to me, that doesn't count. So I understand that. It's interesting. It's like the stuff that you really want to talk about. You don't always talk about exactly. even though you have a podcast. <laughs> it's it's the weirdest thing. I don't know what happens with the brain <laughs> in those times, but maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, you love it so much that maybe you don't want to risk 
unloving it because you do go too deep. I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah, I think it's that. And it's also like you love it so much that if you do it, then there's not a chance to do it again necessarily. So it's like, oh, you can't, there's not the anticipation of doing it anymore. Because mm-hmm. I know there are certain things like the fact that we already did Donnie Darko on my podcast and it's the movie I've watched more than any other movie. And there's a part of me that's kind of like a kind of, even though I like, oops, I like the episode, it's kind of like, I kind of wish we hadn't already done that. So it could be something I could do again, kind of, you know, that kind of thing. But (laughs) She's winking at me. I think she wants me to do Donnie Darko, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) She's nudging her computer. No, she's not. (laughs) No, but we did. I am now. No. We did, we did kind of discuss real briefly on Twitter about the director's cut versus the theatrical cut because when I did my Patrick Swayze episode and uh, my guests were talking about kind of the differences because I hadn't, I don't know that I've seen the theatrical or I don't know the difference between the two. I've never really paid that close attention. But you're taking that the theatrical was still really good compared to- It's the- better. I do not like the director's cut. <laughs> so I had thought about doing- Donnie Darko in that way of kind of that theatrical versus uh, director's cut. So you may get your chance yet to go on and on about Donnie Darko. I do love that movie. I hope so. I love that. One of those movies where I think I overthink it and then so it doesn't make sense. (laughs) And I'm very confused. Or maybe it's just a confusing movie or both. It's, it's both. I mean, I find something new every time. The reason I don't like the director's cut is the director's cut explains what the movie is. Mm-hmm. And I like that you don't know what the movie is completely about in ah. the theatrical. And a lot of people that hate the theatrical version or didn't ever like Donnie Darko, then they watch the director's cut and they're like, oh, now I like it. Okay. But a lot of really diehard Donnie Darko fans are the opposite. Like me, they like the theatrical. Yeah, that's interesting. So. Yeah, I will definitely... I'll definitely have to find the two different, make sure I find the two different versions and watch them. Because I think the only one that's on like HBO is the director's cut, just based on the length of time. Um, the oh, that's time. weird to me. That's so weird to me. I, I think, don't know. I, I don't, because it doesn't say that it's theatrical or director's cut. So I'm going strictly based on the runtime. Um, the, the way you can know is the music. The music. Yep. Yes, that's right. That was the other thing someone had mentioned too. So. Well, we'll, we'll sort it out. We'll we'll get it. We'll get it on the books. We'll set up a Google calendar appointment and everything. We'll do it that way. So as for me, I've just been doing some pod prep, uh, the cleaning lady, uh, our flag means death. I have to start American horror story seasons three and four to make sure I get those in. I'm hating season three, by the way, I don't like it anymore. Sorry. because I eventually I know. came around so I'm kind of curious I am a little curious to see where I land on this third or fourth watch of the season that I claimed I didn't like <laughs> I'm not looking forward to season six I will tell you that right now me either <laughs> <laughs> so other than that my fun watches have just been uh ghost adventures so I have to like message Chrissy about everything because that show cracks me up it's one of my favorite wait rage watches and I have seen all 25 fucking seasons of that goddamn show. And I won't miss a minute of it. I love I love yelling shit. I've told my husband, because we'll watch it and we talk shit. We rage watch mm-hmm. it. And I was like, God, 
it's like I almost kind of want to record some of the stuff we say for the pod because like we're really really funny. I was like, but I have to put out a big time disclaimer. Like this is some mean ass shit. We are not nice about <laughs> these people. <laughs> so, but again, I love it, and I have seen every single episode, every single season, and the Demon House movie, which is, in my opinion, the worst episode of Ghost Adventures ever. Uh, <laughs> that was a birthday watch of mine a couple years ago, and I was super mad by the time I, like, not even, like, fun mad. I was like, nah, that was just a gigantic waste of time. I want my $3 back. Um, <laughs> and then Paranormal Caught on Camera and other ghosty videos I've been finding on, on YouTube. Um, I'm, I don't know, I love that shit, so... That's what I've been streaming in my bubble. So <laughs> you should watch this. I wish I could remember who did it, but there's like these, these people on YouTube and they go to these abandoned houses, like people just picked up and left. And they also go to like, they went to like an abandoned movie theater and a mall that was abandoned Ooh, creepy. and it's really creepy. It's very, and I wish I could remember the name. I'll have to search for it and send it to you, but, yeah. or if anyone listening knows, because they go and just travel to all sorts of different abandoned places. And it's not necessarily that they're trying to find ghosts or anything. They're just kind of doing like trying to figure out why people left or mm-hmm. weird things. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's creepy. I'm, I'm all for all that creepy stuff. I came across a one YouTube channel called Mr. Nightmare and he's got a, he's, his voice is nice and kind of creepy and it's a great voice for reading some of these creepy stories people have sent in. Um, some include footage, you know, like ghosty stuff caught on camera yeah. or whatever. But the first video of his that I watched, it was like children's drawings with disturbing backstories. And holy fuck, those were some disturbing ass stories. And again, he's got the best voice to read these creepy stories. And I think I tweeted like one of the videos and I was like, someone please take YouTube away from me. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I feel that TikTok sometimes. <laughs> One take TikTok away from me. <laughs> I, I went down a rabbit hole and then I got real scared and I was like, I don't want to get off the couch. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so that's what I'm into right now. And <laughs> I love all that kind of ghosty shit. But anyways, enough of that for now. This has been a great conversation, a great recording. I love this movie. I love my guest. I'm so glad you were here today to join me in. Me too dissecting and overthinking just this really fun (laughs) silly parody that makes little to no sense but is just a hoot so thank you so much Erin thank you and thank you Bubblies for listening and keep streaming bye bye I don't get to say where I can be found (laughs) oh yes I'm sorry I don't normally have I didn't have that on here have guest plug I'm so sorry yes you may go ahead sorry. and plug your show. I'm sorry. I don't. I didn't. I didn't specifically write it on the outline. So that was so, no. If so I don't sorry. write stuff on the outline and I have it in my head to do it, I don't remember to do it. And then I'll be like, oh, damn it! Like yep. there was something I meant to do on the episodes I recorded the week this weekend, and I totally forgot to do. And so, <laughs> damn it! So no, but thank funny. you because my. You know, when it isn't podcast crossover day, my tolerables don't have things, you know, yes. to, to promote and to plug. No, and that's, so it's not part of my, because I have a template <laughs> that I copy and paste to a new document and then fill in the blank. So it's not part of my standard template and I should probably fix that. But 
where can my lovely bubblies <laughs> find and listen to you? <laughs> um, you can find my podcast. It's a fandom thing that Jen has been on several times. She was recently on two episodes, Ratchet and The Normal Heart. The Normal Heart is personally my favorite podcast episode I have ever done, honestly. So please go listen to those. If, even if it's not for the podcast, just for Jen, just go listen to those two episodes. They're so much fun anyway. Uh, but you can find us on everything. And I was saving the time to say this because I didn't even know this because I it, I'm not in control a lot of where our, our podcast is. We are on Pandora, by the way. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to break Jen's heart. <laughs> Because I was looking at the top places that we are found and it's number four. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Jenna's going to be so mad when I tell her this. And I'm like, should I tell her? No, I won't tell her. No. And then I was like, well, this is the time. So you can find us. So you can find us everywhere, including Pandora. (laughs) I don't know if I've gone off about that on my podcast, but I submitted my podcast to Pandora like fucking months ago. And as far as I know, it's not out there. As far as I know, the last time I checked a couple months ago, because this was back in like September of, I don't know, 2020, or it's been a long ass time. And last time I checked, my application was still pending. And I was like, you know what? Fuck you, Pandora. No one needs you. <laughs> <laughs> so I've gone off about that on It's a Fandom Thing. That's why I thought it was so funny when I saw that. I was like, oh, okay, well. <laughs> That's why you wanted to plug your show. <laughs> Yeah, just so I could say that. No, uh, uh, but you can follow us. Uh, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing on Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one on Instagram and it's a fandom thing pod on TikTok and it's a fandom thing pod. You can go to our website. It's a fandom thing pod.com. And soon we're going to be playing a game with this Finn Whitrock thing with this Finn Whitrock thing with six degrees of Finn Whitrock. <laughs> No offense, Finn. I was just saying we're where we're going to be taking. I haven't ironed it out yet, but we're going to be taking a few episodes from our past, from our library, and we're going to ask listeners or anyone to try and connect Finn to these various movies or shows, and whoever gets it in the least amount of tries gets some nice little because we have something called it's a Findom thing merch, so you'll get something like that. So follow us just even if you don't want to listen to us you could follow us for this fun journey so it won't be on future episodes because those are all i maybe do that but for now it's just going to be like once a month kind of thing i'm going to try and get listeners involved in so i think that'll be fun that's awesome that will be fun yeah so yep so yeah make sure you guys check that out and okay so okay now goodbye Now we can say goodbye. <laughs> Bye. I'm, thanks I'm again. all thrown off in my closing now. So, all right. Thank you, Aaron, for being here. Thank you, Bubblies, for listening. And goodbye. Bye. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to let me know by rating and reviewing wherever you get your podcast fix. Follow me on Twitter at Streaming Bubble. Find me on Facebook and Instagram as My Streaming Bubble. Have thoughts, suggestions, questions, or want to be tolerated? Email me at mystreamingbubble at gmail.com. If you want to show your love and support for this little old podcast in monetary form, search My Streaming Bubble over at buymeacoffee.com 
and buy me a cheese wedge. And if you want to take that love and support to the next level, head over to Redbubble where you can find and purchase my streaming bubble merch. All monetary support goes right back into this podcast from new recording equipment to night cheese. Thanks for your support and keep streaming.